Well, this morning we are continuing uh, and, and actually wrapping up our uh, series that we've been doing on kingdom generosity. Uh, just to let you know, uh, Pastor Chip and Pastor Ben this morning are in Indianapolis for our General Assembly, and so uh, I, am, I have the, the pleasure of being with you today, and uh, just ask that you continue to pray for that event, uh, as we mentioned earlier. It's going on all this week. This week they'll be uh, actually doing the business of voting uh, on a uh, on two general uh, superintendents, and uh, as well as a few other major things that do impact us at every level as a church of the Nazarene. And so just continue to pray for them as they meet and uh, as they uh, uh, worship together and vote on things together. Uh, that, that's a very good thing. Uh, this morning, uh, we are going to continue and, 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 like I said, wrap up this series called Kingdom Generosity. And uh, it's important for us to remember that as we start talking about this, this generosity, we're talking about it from the angle of, of God's kingdom. And this is a kingdom that's different from any other kingdom or, or entity that exists on earth. Uh, this kingdom, uh, as, as Jesus describes it in, in the Bible, it, it's, it's a kingdom where the, the last are first. And the first or last, he describes it as a, as a landowner who who owned um, who owned this farmland, and he needed workers to work out in the field, and so he went all day long, and he got he went and he would grab people to bring them back and work on the farm, and and whether they worked one hour or whether they worked the entire day, they received the same thing, and that didn't make sense to the culture, but it's the upside down nature of God's kingdom. And so we are talking not just about generosity uh, in worldly terms, but we're talking specifically about generosity as it pertains to God's kingdom. Generosity in our world uh, can be watered down a little bit. It can be, uh, you know, it can be giving at the end of the year to give, receive a tax donation or a tax exemption, or, or it can be um, maybe, maybe giving, but not quite fully having, having a gift that's fully sacrificial. Uh, I, for whatever reason, um, I can't remember why we ended up watching the movie, but Gabby and I ended up watching the movie, the, the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie, uh, this last week. And, and in that movie, uh, Captain Jack Sparrow says this line, uh, take what we can and give nothing back. It's kind of like the pirate code or whatever. But I, I actually think that that, that uh, kind of goes to ex- uh, talk about just the way that our culture views our, uh, our resources, our, our, our wealth, our time, uh, our skills and abilities. Uh, we've got to hold on to what we have. Because if we let go of it or if we try to give it away, they'll, if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. That kind of mindset is, as far as it pertains to our generosity. We don't want to become doormats. We don't want to become uh, taken advantage of. So we just hold on to everything that we have. Uh, but as, as we've been talking, that's not what we're called to do as followers of Jesus. Uh, we've, we've looked at a few things about generosity, and we're going to go through them real quickly before we, we jump into the passage for this morning. But generosity and compassion were hallmarks of the early church. When they would meet together, um, they, they, just, uh, they, they were a group that pooled their resources to make sure that everybody was provided for, that everybody was cared for. Uh, they made sure, uh, they, they, looked at, they looked at things as if, uh, if I had two coats and you had zero coats, I was actually stealing from you because I had more than I needed and you didn't have enough, but yet I didn't give to you. That's how they looked upon things. And in a, in a, in a time and place in the world where the Roman Empire was, was the, the standard, where might was right, where if I had enough power and might and authority, uh, I could control your life, um, they, they, they looked upon that as, as that, uh, that was just how things ran back in that time. Uh, and yet here we have the church 
uh, that's, it, it's at this point in time that the church is, is born and expands rapidly throughout this world, and it happens because of generosity. People see the fact that, that they were caring for the poor, the sick, the people that nobody wanted to deal with or touch. The church was actually caring for those people, and that's how the message spread. And that's what made the church attractive to those who didn't know what was going on, who maybe didn't know who Jesus was, didn't have the opportunity to see him while he was here on earth. Um, and, and it's this generosity uh, that, uh, that made the church known. Uh, generosity is about living uh, life abundantly. See, so often we think of, well, when we give stuff away, we're actually losing things. Uh, but what we find out is that um, God doesn't want to take from us God wants us to give, and then in turn, he can bless us. We've been kind of talking about uh, uh, using the imagery of standing with, your, you know, with everything you own, fist clenched, holding on to it. Uh, but yet, if we, if we come before God and we have our hands open and we, allow, uh, we, we give what we have away, God then blesses us with more, and that's an abundant life. Uh, in uh, in John 10, uh, verse 10, we read this. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Um, that's kind of the world in which we live in. Uh, but yet Jesus tells us this. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus doesn't want us to uh, just, he doesn't want us to give everything away and it should be left without. Jesus cares about us. Jesus cares about what we have. He wants us to live abundantly. And the way we do that is by living generously. And then generosity is not contingent upon our circumstances. It doesn't matter what our bank account says. It doesn't matter uh, what our schedule says. It doesn't matter um, if, uh, if we feel like we have time and energy and all those things. Uh, it, it, if God is calling us to give, we need to give. And we need to be looking for opportunities constantly to give what we have away so that God can then bless us with more. Um, we, uh, we talked about last week the fact that, um, that uh, you know, we never quite feel like we have enough. Uh, we talked about the fact that um, if, uh, if we said, well, if, if I reached this, this mark in my bank account, I'd feel wealthy. Well, then you get to that point, and then what? You think, well, I know I thought that, but now I could just use just a little bit more. And, and we never quite feel like we're there. Um, and what we know, what we learn from Jesus is that our generosity should never depend upon how we feel, whether we feel like we have it all or whether we still need more. God is calling us to just give. And when we just, when we are just willing to give, regardless of, of what um, we feel like the world would tell us to do with our resources, when we give and we follow God's direction, we, we get to, to live a more abundant life. So we've been talking about generosity within, uh, we, we've talked about two ways in which we can be generous with our time uh, and with our uh, resources. And when we talked about time, we talked about the fact that time is opportunity. It's given to us to have opportunities, to complete things, to do things, to impact people, to impact the world, to impact God's kingdom. Time is a precious gift that we have. We can't make more of it. We all have the same amount of time. We all have 24 hours in a day. We all have seven days in a week. We all have 365 days in a year. And if we, if nothing we can do, we can gain more. That we can't improve those numbers. We can't, we can't do more. So we have a certain amount of time. And if we're willing to give that time away and we are willing to take a hold of those opportunities, we can, as, as Pastor Chip said, we can redeem our time. Uh, and and uh, that's how we live generously with our time. Uh, we talked about last week the, the fact that we are 
rich. Pastor Chip shared with us that uh, if, we, if we live in a household that makes over $48,000 a year with combined income, we are part of the 1% of the world. Uh, yet, however, we trick ourselves into thinking we don't have enough or we don't feel rich or we don't feel wealthy. Um, and I think they, this, uh, a survey said that uh, it wasn't until people made $5 million a year that they felt wealthy. <laughs> Four or three, it didn't matter. It was five. It got to five, then they felt wealthy. They felt like they had enough. But what Jesus, what we find out that, that Jesus tells us is that we are rich. We are wealthy. And it doesn't matter the amount that we have, but it just matters the percentage in which we give. Uh, pastor Ben shared with me this week uh, something that he heard from uh, another pastor that said, uh, you know, if you, what you give as far as uh, financially uh, towards God's kingdom, if it doesn't move you, it won't move God. Meaning if, if you have all the, all the money in the world and you feel like you give way more than anybody else, it doesn't matter if it doesn't mean something to you. If you're not giving it with the heart of a servant, it doesn't mean, uh, it doesn't mean um, that you're, you're giving it out of a certain place. You're not being generous. And uh, so this, again, this is generosity not by the world's standards, but by God's kingdom. So uh, today uh, we're going to to move on, and we're going to talk about being generous with our talents. And if time is uh, given for opportunities, using our gifts and our abilities and our talents, being generous with our talents is about not wasting those opportunities, not, uh, not missing out on, a, on an opportunity to use what we've what we have uh, developed in our own lives, the skills and abilities. Maybe we, maybe we went to a trade school or a university or, or we've just gained the skills and abilities we have through the School of Hard Knocks. Um, regardless of how we came to, to get them, if we're not giving those skills and abilities away to other people, using them to help other people, using them to benefit other people, uh, then we're not being generous with our talents, but we're called to do so. And we're going to look at a passage here from Matthew 25 in just a moment that, that shares that with us. But before I get to that passage, uh, I feel like there's some uh, context that needs to go into it, just so you know uh, what we're talking about. And this, uh, this passage uh, that we're going to look at, it's a parable. And the parable that uh, it's, uh, in, in older translations or older versions, it's called the parable of the talents. Uh, but uh, they've, in the newer translations and newer versions, it, it's now worded the uh, parable of the bags of money, I believe. And, uh, but this follows another parable in the very beginning of Matthew 25. It's the parable of the ten virgins. And if, you, uh, if you've grown up in church or you've been uh, around long enough to hear that parable, the gist of it is this. The, uh, there was a custom back in the day where uh, when there was a, a wedding taking place, the wedding was a big event. It was a multiple day event sometimes. And um, there would be people that would wait for the bridegroom to come out, to go out and to receive his bride and to go into this wedding and wedding banquet. And um, the, these ten virgins that the parable is being told about, five of them bring enough oil, not only just for the, the short term, but just in case he takes a while to come, they bring enough to, to span that whole time frame, so they're good to go. But the other five, they just brought enough thinking he would come quickly, and uh, so they didn't bring any extra with them. When their lamps burned out, they didn't have any more oil to put in the lamps. And that parable taught us that, first off, Jesus is going to come back again someday. There's going to be a second coming, and what he tells us by this parable is that we need to be ready. 
We need to be ready for the bridegroom, which is Jesus, to come to his bride, which is the church. And, and uh, that, uh, that event is going to happen, and we need to be ready for it. But this parable, the parable of the, the talents, or the parables of the bag of money, this parable tells us that um, there's something else that needs to happen while we wait. We need to be ready, but we need to wait, and there's a proper way to wait. All right, and that is to not just sit on our hands. That is not to just be an act of only just focusing on what we need to do, focusing on waiting on, on, on Jesus' return, but we need to be active. We need to be doing something with our time. And um, I, I, I don't know if this ever happens to you guys, but I have this really bad habit. When I go to a restaurant, and uh, uh, a lot of times when Gabby and I go out together, um, something will be forgotten by the waiter or the waitress. We'll need to wait on it. Maybe it's silverware. Maybe it's uh, an extra side of ranch dressing. Maybe it's a refill. Maybe whatever it is, uh, it'll, the, the, the waiter or waitress has to go back and get it. And I have this bad habit of dropping, or not, not dropping, but just not doing anything until the waiter comes. I won't eat. I won't like, engage in conversation. I'll just sit there. And uh, that drives Gabby nuts because she's like, you know, your food's getting cold and you're just waiting for you know, another cup of ranch dressing to come out for whatever. Um, and and that, drives her, that drives her a little nuts. And I can tell you it drives, it drives Jesus a little crazy too. When he looks down and he sees his people waiting, but they're waiting and they're not doing what they're called to do. They're not doing what they could do with the talents, the gifts, the abilities, the resources, the time that they've been given. And so uh, this morning we're talking about talents. We're talking about not wasting the moment. So this morning I'm going to read for you uh, this parable, and then uh, we'll talk about a few observations afterwards. It begins like this in verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also with two bags of gold, uh, so also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you have entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked and lazy servant, so you knew that I harvested where I had not sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest." So take the bag of gold from him and give it to one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
So this morning, uh, I, wanted to, I wanted us to look at just a few things as it pertains to this parable and it, as it pertains to talents and our skills and our abilities. And this morning, uh, you'll notice that we talked about money in the, in the parable, but what this money represents is our talents, our skills, and our abilities that God has given us. Um, uh, the bag of gold that it talked about in this parable uh, is actually, and that's what, that's what they refer to in the other versions as a talent, and it, it refers to the weight, how much the, the, the bag weighed, um, and that's actually today where we get our word for talent. They traced it back, it goes back to this parable specifically uh, to this point, the English word talent comes from this, uh, but this bag of gold was worth 15 years wages. Uh, to put that in perspective, uh, Pastor Chip shared with us the parable, or not the parable, but just the story of the woman who came into the temple and gave her two copper coins. And those two copper coins represented seven hours worth of work. So these servants received from their master uh, uh, bags of gold that were worth 15 years' wages. One of them five, one of them two, one of them one. So this was not just any amount of money. This was not just not just any amount of gold or, 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 or silver or, or whatever was valuable. This was worth a significant amount. And that tells us that uh, our talents, our skills, our abilities that we have are not just something to throw away or discard. They are valuable. They are worth something. And uh, it's important for us to know that we receive them not on our own accord, but we receive them from our master. We receive them from Jesus, and they are important, and they are valuable. So if you are here this morning, and you have a talent, you have a skill, or an ability, and you think, man, this is, I can't do anything with this. If you have it for a reason, God gave it to you, and there's a way that you can use it, um, and it's valuable. So don't throw it away. Don't discard it. Um, these three uh, servants that we uh, are, are reading about, these servants are stewards. They're not owners. And there's a difference in that. Uh, uh, when we think of a, of a steward, oftentimes, I don't know, it kind of goes, you, kind of the mind goes back to medieval times where kings would leave and go fight in battles on distant battlefields, and there would be somebody that would be left behind to sit not on the throne, but just below it, and to kind of manage the kingdom while the king was away. And that was, that was considered a steward. And that is what we are of our skills, our talents, our abilities that God has given us. They're not our own. We didn't, even though we, we, uh, we go to school to uh, um, learn more about the, the different skills and abilities that we have, even though we, we put them into practice on a daily basis, uh, even though um, uh, we might go and receive further education on how to be better at what we do, that's just being good stewards of what God has given us. That doesn't mean that we develop them on our own. Sometimes it's very unhealthy when we think of our own skills, talents, and abilities as things that we, we did something to receive ourselves. We think, oh, well, be, because I went to school, I learned how to do this, and therefore this talent is something that I received on my own. And we separate, our, we separate the talent from God. And what we, what we find out, though, is when, when, we, when we read the words of Jesus, when we read Scripture, we find out that these talents, these skills, and abilities, we're just stewards of them. God gave them to us. And uh, we, uh, we have the ability to then put them into practice into God's kingdom, but as stewards of them, not as the owners of them. And this, uh, this, the word servant here, often when we think of servant, we think of like the lowest of the low. In, in this day and time, these were uneducated people. They, uh, they were um, 
just like one step up from, from cattle. And uh, these servants would not have known how to take the wealth of a master and go and put them into, put them into practice to, uh, to uh, invest them, to develop them, to gain more. Um, but what we find is the word that's used for servants in Scripture here actually means skilled employees. And that means that they do know how to take what the master has given them, and they do know how to put it in the practice. They have the ability to do what the, the task that they're given to them. Uh, this would kind of be like um, if you were the CEO of a company or the owner of a company, it would be kind of like having a, a, a manager at a certain level or having a, uh, your CFO or, or, or somebody who uh, works underneath of you, you would be giving them this money. It's not like you're giving uh, somebody who doesn't have the knowledge or the capability of taking these and putting these into practice somewhere else. Um, these servants were very capable, uh, and you and I are very capable of taking the skills, the abilities, the passions that we have and putting them into practice into God's kingdom. Um, the, the, the parable Jesus tells says that he gave each, to each one their, to their ability. And that you and I are very capable of taking what God has entrusted us and putting them into practice into God's kingdom. Uh, and we should never convince ourselves otherwise. Each servant received different amounts because each servant was different, and that is okay. Uh, it's important for us to realize that everybody in God's kingdom is different. Uh, we kind of live in a culture right now where everything needs to be fair, everything needs to be equal. Um, and what we learn in this parable is that in God's kingdom, we are all different, and that's okay. Um, some of us have the skills and abilities to do certain things, and some of us don't. Um, I don't know if you've ever found yourself in this, in this uh, place before, but uh, have you ever been given a task that you know you do not have the resources or the, uh, the knowledge to pull off? Have you ever felt that helpless feeling where you know, like, no matter what I'm going to do, I'm going to fail at this. I'm going to need somebody else to step in and do this that knows what they're doing. Um, I've taken on some home improvement projects before, and uh, I've immediately wished, man, I really wish that I would have had an electrician come and do this, or I really wish that I would have had somebody who has knowledge of plumbing or somebody, and there's just this helpless feeling when you get in the middle of it and you find out, nope, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, and God doesn't want us to feel like that. God doesn't want us to be put into those positions. And so uh, he, he gives to each one of us, uh, uh, the, each, he gives to each one of us concerning our own abilities. He doesn't give us tasks that he knows we can't complete. That would be very mean. Uh, and so we have people that are, just, that are just different, have different skills, different talents, different abilities. Uh, in, in Ephesians, when Paul's talking about the body of Jesus, he says, no, we can't all be eyes, we can't all be hands, we can't all be feet. We all have different tasks, we all have different, uh, we all have different things that we're supposed to do, but when we do them all, what we're passionate about, when we, when we put our skills and, and abilities into practice in, in all of these different areas, we actually create the body of Jesus. And that's a beautiful thing, when everybody is working together, doing the things that they're passionate about, doing the things that they're comfortable with, uh, doing the things that, are, um, that, that God has entrusted them with abilities to do, it's how everything is supposed to work. And it's okay that one received five and one received one because it all pertains to the abilities that they have. And just because um, they, one has five and one has one, it's not that it's not fair. 
it, it pertains to what they have the skills and the abilities to work with. And that's okay. Uh, next, we see that the first two servants went to work immediately and did not waste time. Uh, have you ever uh, been sitting uh, in church or in uh, maybe a meeting at work and they come up, they, they say, you know, well, we need someone to go ahead and to do this. And you immediately just start thinking, well, I know they need more workers for VBS, but we have family coming in town and we, uh, I, I really need to mow the lawn this week. And, you know, before you've defeated yourself before you've even started, right? You come up with all the reasons why you can't do something immediately and you don't even think about how could, the, how could I go to work immediately and fulfill what, what's needed uh, or, or, or what, I could, what I could do to uh, immediately step in and to make this situation better. We often defeat ourselves before it even starts, but it goes further than that. And to, to do that, we need to look at the other servant. Uh, some of us think that the other servant's biggest failure is uh, he, he buried the money in the ground and he didn't get anything else with it. But really, the, the servant's biggest failure was not that. It's that he didn't know his master's heart. The other two understood their master's heart. They understood what he wanted them to do with the money that he had given them, and they put it to work immediately, and they got results from it. But the third servant, the one that went buried in the ground, he didn't understand what his master wanted. He didn't understand the heart or the motivation behind his master giving him that money. If the master just wanted to save his money or just keep it the same, he wouldn't have given it, he wouldn't have given it to the other servants, right? He would have kept it where it was, and it would have just been the same. Um, but it's important for us to understand our master's heart. And our master's heart is simplified in Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's Jesus's heart right there. That's the whole reason why he came. That's the whole reason why we meet every week and worship and do what we do. It's so that the lost people can come to know Jesus and their lives can be changed. And when we put our skills and we put our talents and our abilities into practice to make that happen, we are operating um, at a level that we were meant to be because we are operating uh, with the understanding of what Jesus wants from us. We know what our master wants, and that's to seek and to save lost people. So when we put our skills and abilities to work to make that happen, God sees that, and as it happened with the first two, God blesses that. The first two servants put their talents to work and the master blessed them with more. Whether it was what they, whether it was what they were, uh, what they did with the money that caused it to double or whether it was from receiving what the, the one lost, God blessed them with more because they were invested in the master's work. And <clears throat> um, I, I, I think it's important for us to realize that uh, now this is not, this is not a prosperity gospel thing. This is not where, you know, if you, if you give to this, then God's going to bless you and, and he's going to triple your, your bank account. That's not, that's not what we're talking about here. Um, my, my grandpa uh, was, uh, was like the ultimate churchman. If there's anything that needed to be done at church, my grandpa would go and he would do it. He recarpeted the building. Uh, he... Uh, uh, they, they gave extra money when times were tough to keep the doors open. He, he did anything that was needed of them, uh, and he had, the, he had certain skill sets and abilities that he was just, he was the guy that fixed the things that were broken. And that's just what my grandpa did at the church uh, where I grew up. 
And my grandpa uh, one day uh, found out that the church was getting a bus. And um, they were going to go around, they were going to pick up kids and kind of create this bus ministry. Uh, And so my grandpa decided he was going to help with that. He woke up every morning, uh, like 5 a.m. in Iowa. It gets cold, just like it does here. And uh, sometimes the buses wouldn't start, so he'd have to get up extra early in those mornings. He'd have to go start the buses. He'd have to keep them running. Uh, he, uh, he found a whole different skill set than he thought he had because he would have to go and he would have to pick up kids and he would have to interact with these kids. And, and he was, like I said, he was a, he was a military man. Uh, he... Um, he was a very technical person, and sometimes that's not the same, like, that's not the set of skills you often, you know, correlate to working with kids. But my, my grandpa started doing this and developed a heart for these kids, and um, so much to the point of uh, cl- shortly after I was born, they had this day to, like, celebrate the bus ministry and specifically, like, my grandpa's effort in, in this. And so... Um, there are pictures from that morning where they had people stand up that were, that had, had been impacted by the bus ministry and impacted by the work that my grandpa did. And people everywhere stood up. People, uh, I would, I, I heard about it later on in life after my grandpa passed away, that they were going to this church. They were attending this church still to this day because my grandpa picked them up as a, a first grader. On a, school, on a school bus without their parents coming to church, and he brought them to church. And he had to, uh, he had to be very organized with this. He had to go out and, and make sure, okay, they know I'm coming at this time. They, this kid needs to know I'm coming at this time. This kid needs to know I'm coming at this time. And because my grandpa was willing and had at least the ability to drive the bus, he developed the other skills and abilities he needed to work with the kids, to work with the parents, to be able to create a schedule, to pick them all up. When we... Um, when we put our skills and abilities into practice, often we find there are skills and abilities that we have that we either don't even know about or that we develop and we're passionate about once we put them out there. Uh, and and I, hope, I hope that you've had the opportunity to experience that at some point in time. Uh, when you jump into something and you realize, oh my goodness, I have a passion for this. And like the light bulb comes on and you just enjoy doing it and you actually, you don't get depleted by doing it, you actually get refilled by doing it. There's a... Uh, there's a video, and I wish I could have shown it this morning. It's just too long. Uh, it's put out by the people who do the uh, strength finder analysis. If you're familiar with that, a guy named Marcus Buckingham has um, written, uh, written a few books about it. But basically, it's helping people to find what they're really good at uh, in order to uh, make sure they're doing the right things and getting the most fulfillment out of their, their roles and the place where they work. And uh, in this video, it's called Trombone Player Wanted. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. I encourage you, if you have the time to do that later on, to go find it. Uh, but in this video, there's this little boy who plays a trombone in his school band. And um, they show him in his other classes at school. He's lugging his trombone around in its case, and every time he sits it down next to his desk, he'll sit down. And the thing is, he doesn't, he doesn't while he's sitting in class, like look around or, or, or think about the trombone. And they show him he's always got two pencils going like this, and he's tapping his foot. He's not thinking about the trombone, he's thinking about the drums. The drums are where, he's, are where he's focused, where his passion is, it's where his heart is, but he's stuck playing the trombone. And he goes and he talks to his band director, and the band director tells him, well, I would love to have you play the drums, but we still need somebody to play the trombone. And so the, the boy shifts his thinking from trying to just get to the, play the drums 
he, uh, he starts posting these signs all over the school, trombone player wanted. And he realizes that if he finds someone who's passionate about the trombone, then he can slide over and be passionate about the drums, and the whole band is better. And our, when we are like that in the kingdom, when we put our skills and our abilities to work in the right places, doing the right things, the things that we're passionate about, and we find other people to plug in other places when they're doing what they're passionate about, and we're all using our skills and our abilities to become the body of Christ, that's when it flourishes. That's when we find that abundant, generous lifestyle that we're talking about this morning. And these two first two servants, they, they kind of witness this and understand this and get this uh, from their master because they went out, did what they were passionate about, and the master blessed them with more. And if we're willing to go and put our skills, our abilities into practice in the right places at the right times, uh, we will find that we are blessed with more, not because, not because we did something to earn it, but because we're finding fulfillment in it. Failure to use what God has given us separates us from God. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that Jesus talks about uh, this last servant and what happens to this last servant at the time in which he talks about it. Because this parable is in Matthew 25. If you're familiar with the book of Matthew, you know there's not much left of the book of Matthew after this um, before Jesus uh, is arrested, before he's put on trial before he's crucified, before he uh, comes back to life, and before he, he ascends into heaven. And on that cross, Jesus experiences this separation from God that he's talking about with this last servant. And so I believe when, when, God's, or when Jesus is telling us in this parable what happens to this servant who fails to use his gifts, his abilities, his talents, his time, his resources, all those things, when he fails to use those, he experiences separation from God. When Jesus says that, he knows exactly what he's talking about because he's about ready to experience this himself. And this is a real separation. This is a real thing. When we talk about the, that servant being thrown out into the darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, it's a reference to hell. That's a reference to being separated from God. When we fail to use our talents, our gifts, our abilities, we fail to use our, our uh, what we've been given uh, as far as our resources are concerned, we experience a separation from God that's quite literally hell. We are not, we are not where we are supposed to be. We're not op operating as we're supposed to be. And then we find out what we do have, we lose it because we're not using it the way that it was meant to be used. And so this morning I ask you this question. What are your skills? What are your abilities? What are, what are the, the, the resources that you have that you can put into practice in God's kingdom. And then I ask you, how are you putting those into practice in God's kingdom? Are there skills that you have? Maybe you, just, maybe you haven't even correlated them with, with putting them to work in God's kingdom. Maybe it's, maybe it's whatever you do at work all day. Maybe it's um, <clears throat> something you just do as a hobby on the side where you think, well, I, I really I don't have any professional uh, ability to do this, so I, 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 won't, I, I can't necessarily put it into... Uh, to practice professionally, so why, why would I use it other places? Uh, whatever the case is, what, what are your skills and abilities? How are you putting them into practice into God's kingdom? Um, we, have, we have two ways in which we can obviously put them into practice into God's kingdom. Uh, the first is just looking for the ways outside of our church walls. We live in a community where people need our, our talents, our skills, our abilities for God's kingdom, even though it may not be... Um, 
It may not be uh, as, as part of an organization. It may not be part of a, uh, of a, of a group of people uh, go, putting, coming together to, to be able to complete a, a, a mission or an objective. You might just be helping your neighbor out. Uh, it may be you having the, the ability to rewire something and your neighbor has a light that's out that needs, you know, needs to be reworked. And you, you take that opportunity, that ability to know when you do that, you're doing that for God's kingdom. And so when you do that and you get to talk to your neighbor and you get to ask them how they're doing and you get to develop a relationship with them through using your skills and abilities, then you're using them to work in God's kingdom. How, look for ways this week that you can put your skills and abilities into practice outside of the walls of our church. But then the second thing is, how are you using them inside the walls of our church? I did some, I did some uh, asking this week of the, the staff about how many, how many different roles we have throughout a, a week that we need filled as a church to complete the ministries and, and different things that we're doing uh, in the kingdom. And <clears throat> we need about 70 volunteers a week to make everything happen and happen as the way that it's supposed to. And that, that includes our, our Wednesday nights when we, when we have them going throughout the school year for our students and our kids. Um, that means that over the course of a year, we need 3,640 weekly roles to be filled. Um, if we take our average attendance, which our average attendance right now is somewhere around 410, and we uh, multiply that, we... Uh, we put everybody takes one roll a month for an entire year, we could fill 4,920 rolls. Well, we only have 3,640 rolls that need to be filled. So that means that we could add things to what we currently do to reach our community and help them find the saving grace of Jesus. If we were all willing to give of our gifts, our talents, and our abilities just one time a month, just here at church, and we have plenty of opportunities to use your skills, your gifts, your abilities here inside of our walls. We have a first impressions ministry. We have our worship ministry. We have a youth ministry. We have a children's ministry. Uh, we have a uh, Sunday school and discipleship ministry. Uh, I guarantee you, if you come up with a skill and ability that we say, well, we don't have a, a current need for that, we'll make one. I promise. <laughs> we have opportunities all over the place for you to serve, for you to get involved in God's kingdom. And so uh, I just challenge you to think about what you do uh, here uh, inside the walls of NAPNAS. What do you do outside of the walls of NAPNAS? Um, how do you put your skills, your gifts, your abilities, your resources, your time, how do you put that to work for the kingdom? And are you living life as abundantly as you can, or are you finding yourself separated? Because the things that you've been entrusted with, you haven't been able to put into, into practice for God's kingdom. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this morning. Dear God, I just pray that we would all be able to find, uh, uh, find and know what our skills and our gifts and our abilities are, and we'd be able to put them into practice for your kingdom. Uh, because as we learned this morning from this parable and from your son, uh, if we fail to do this, we become separated. And uh, dear God, uh, we just pray this morning that there wouldn't be anyone who is separated from you. In fact, that's our, our goal and our mission as a church, to help people to find you, to be connected with you, uh, to, to find forgiveness through you. And so I just pray this morning, help us to find ways in which we can serve your kingdom. Help us to uh, not feel like we have to control things, that we have to hold on to things, uh, that uh, you are a God who, continually, who continues to give abundantly, 
that there's, there's not a finite amount of everything that just runs out, that you are a God who continues to pour blessing and blessing out upon us when we are willing to go and to serve and to work as you showed us how. So dear God, I just pray that you'd be with us as we go from this place today. Uh, keep us safe as we go throughout our weeks ahead, and it's your name that we pray. Amen.